chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis, with your host, Dave Inman. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, keeping you, our listeners, on the pulse of what's happening in cannabis today. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have Perry Sousauer and Bradley Blummer with Greenlight Law Group. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, uh, Greenlight Law Group, tell us a little bit about Greenlight Law Group. Well, we're a boutique uh, law firm uh, in Portland, Oregon, and we organize and protect cannabis companies. Uh, We've been in business since uh, about mid-2015, and uh, we've been uh, helping businesses get started uh, once the rec market uh, came online. And uh, we've been, you know, focused pretty much on the full spectrum of, of Oregon cannabis businesses here in Portland. Yeah, we uh, we represent you know every type of participant in the cannabis industry. Um, you know your licensees, your retailers, producers, processors. Uh, we also represent uh, companies that are solely involved in industrial hemp and the CBD market. Um, we represent investors who invest in those companies. Um, we represent uh, targets and acquisitions, acquiring companies and acquisitions. Um, parties in litigation if things don't go right uh, you know usually it's it's if they hired somebody else to do the original deal uh, thank you <laughs> no <laughs> pun of course right <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it obviously uh, when we get into the cannabis space uh, we, we have a lot of compliance issues that we have to get through so you guys uh, help to navigate uh, that potentially uh, zoning, compliances, uh, things of that nature, correct? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you find to be the biggest challenge um, in, in Oregon uh, cannabis space right now? In terms of the compliance or the zoning or just in, in general? In general. Well, um, well, I think I think one of the challenges here in Oregon is we've got a lot of different rules going on. We have the OLCC is the governing body. It's the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, and that is sort of the state governing body. But every uh, local jurisdiction has got its own rules, not necessarily cannabis regulations, but has all its own zoning rules. And one of the biggest challenges is navigating all of those rules and and keeping you know the OLCC rules in mind. So Anytime a client comes to us with a a property that they're interested in starting a business, there's a lot of due diligence that needs to go on. Um, And that's not a problem that's unique in Oregon. Um, In some states, it's potentially even worse. Um, Washington uh, has similar issues with respect to the uh, ability of local governments to put up roadblocks or make things sort of difficult. Um, in in Oregon right now, there are a couple of hot button issues with that. Um, one is right here in our backyard in the city of Portland um, has made it incredibly difficult to license a processing facility. Um, and it's taken quite a while for processors to get through the local permitting process 
a lot of that was because in the first year they they didn't necessarily have uh, uh, had their wrap their heads around what it involved and didn't have any rules. Um, but we're seeing uh, other jurisdictions. Another big hotbed issue is down in southern Oregon, in Josephine County, where you have a lot of um, rural outdoor grows or mixed indoor outdoor grows. Uh, there's a, a lawsuit going on right now between some landowners and the county as to whether or not it's permissible to get a recreational marijuana license on a rural residential five-acre parcel, which is a zoning designation down there. Um, and that's actually sort of exploded um, into a federal case where the uh, the county prohibited this type of growing on this type of parcel, and some people successfully challenged the county's regulation. And the county has come back with a massive sweeping lawsuit seeking to have the entire Oregon cannabis recreational cannabis program invalidated on federal constitutional grounds. Um, so those are the really big challenges. Uh, sometimes problems arise in the same context because the OLCC does not necessarily understand what each a local jurisdiction is capable of doing, and they will um, uh, they will enact or promulgate a regulation that a county is simply unable to comply with, uh, and that would create a licensing, you know, a stop to licensing in certain instances. We're seeing that also in Clackamas County with processors. Um, uh, this problem's just kind of come up with these new rule changes this year. So, so I guess it sounds like or it sounds like Oregon's not necessarily that unique in the, in the with regards to the disconnect from the will of the people to the uh, the people that we voted in to to kind of help guide us through all of this. Um, it, it, it's it's horrible, honestly. Uh, you know, with with the simple fact that uh, you know if we if we place these laws, you know, help you know, create the law to work with us, not against us. And more often than not, that's what, what I see from state to state to state is uh, just a, a uh, an exorbitant amount of willful uh, disregard for the public. Yeah, so, I think it's a big challenge. It, yeah. it is, it's a real, it's a big challenge. Um, there are, uh, I think we've got about 80 pages of OLCC regulations to navigate. Uh, so yeah, it's always a big problem. Yeah. And, you know, the, that, the, you know, just to, you know, tie a bow around the issue. You have 80 pages of OLCC regulations, and then you've got 100 pages of uh, building code regulations in each jurisdiction, and then fire code regulations on top of that, and they don't always uh, mesh. Um, but you know, with respect to your statement about the you know governments bucking the will of the people, I used to work in politics and. Um, in all honesty, I don't really necessarily see that see this much different from any any other political issue. Um, you see this in all kinds of you know areas wherever there is um, wherever there is sort of a, um, a a political institution that is not necessarily on board 100 percent with the will of the people. Um, Fortunately, we, we do live in a uh, democracy, and sometimes these situations play themselves out uh, in the election cycle. And uh, there's only so long politicians can stay in office if they continually buck the will of the electorate um, in their jurisdiction. So, 
And that uh, brings us back to a, a perfect topic right there. You know, we uh, have a, an, an, another election cycle coming up here pretty soon. And I encourage everyone to, to if you are not registered to vote, get registered and uh, pay attention to who's on the ballot and what uh, their their morals and, and standards are. Absolutely. Um, so, um, you know, in, in Oregon, obviously uh, one of the greenest states out there um, <laughs> uh, in more ways than one. Um, now, Perry, I noticed that you uh, were an environmental attorney as well. So uh, tell us how, how cannabis and environmental challenges are, uh, are now coinciding or clashing. Well, you know, another one of the big hotbed issues here in Oregon, um, which is beginning to play out in California as well, is um, the water issue. Um, so when I think of environmental issues in cannabis, I, I, for the most part, I think of two major issues. There's, um, there's power because growing cannabis, particularly indoors, is a very energy-intensive operation. You've got your lights, you've got your HVAC, um, and then you've got your water issues. Uh, the water issues are much more salient in southern Oregon um, and in eastern Oregon, where you know irrigators and other parties have been fighting over water rights since the late 1800s. Um, there has been a considerable backlash from, uh, I'd say this in quotes, you can't see, traditional <laughs> agricultural uses in those water basins subject to those water treaties uh, and uh, these new cannabis agricultural uses. Um, and there have been a couple of efforts in those water districts to try and you know essentially freeze out the cannabis water uses now you know fortunately again we have you know the law here because uh, water rights uh, the re water rights regime is pretty standard throughout the western united states it's different in the eastern united states but in the western united states it's generally first in time first in right so when you own a parcel that has water rights that may go back to the turn of the last century, when people first started irrigating under these water treaties, when you convey that land, you will convey that water right uh, along with it. But again, that's another important um, piece of due diligence that we as lawyers and, and, and cannabis growers need to do when they're looking at a piece of property in an area that's subject to you know um, water restrictions uh, and um, these water rights treaties. Um, so uh, there, there, it's it's a particularly hot issue right now in Deschutes County and in Jackson County. Um, but like I said, Jackson County is in the Klamath River Basin, and they have uh, literally been fighting over water there since about 1896. Um, and when you think about water in the Northwest, you also have to think of salmon and the Endangered Species Act because. Part of the issue with the water rights is we have endangered salmonids, and when the water levels in the summer months uh, fall below a certain level, people start to get sort of squelched out of their water rights in order to protect the salmonid spawning habitat. Um, so essentially we have another player in this already crowded game of water rights um, that sort of brings these issues to a head. 
Um, you know, it's it's amazing the, uh, the the layers and the levels that we have to to really dive into. Um, you know, on on so many different fronts, and and cannabis really isn't necessarily that unique. You know, I mean, you'd have to do you know various grading for any properties that you'd have. But when we get into you know actually the water that they're going to need uh, to be able to produce, it becomes very very much more co- uh, contentious. Um, we got to take a quick break. When we get back, we have Perry Salzauer and Bradley Bloomer with Greenlight Law Group. We'll be right back with you, folks. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 24th to the 26th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Be one of the first to register today at USCCExpo.com. That's USCCExpo.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. We've been talking to Perry and Bradley with Greenlight Law Group. And we were just talking about uh, some of the environmental challenges that um, not only cannabis will have, but other businesses. But specifically, we're talking about cannabis, of course, because that's the type of show we have. <laughs> so um, for myself, I'm, I'm uh, a bit more of an environmentalist as well. Um, you know, I, I've been an energy efficient lighting designer for 20 years. And so for me, it's, uh, you know, something that I think that uh, we, we should always strive for with cannabis, you know, again, it's something that we've touted as professionals, as consumers, as uh, X, Y, and Z, that it, uh, you know, it is more beneficial than harmful. And right now, what I'm seeing in a lot of the cultivation spaces is probably more of a disregard 
uh, for the environmental impact that that uh, cannabis can and will have if done improperly. Um, you know, again, when, when you were mentioning lights, you know, we have a thousand watt high pressure sodiums, they have about 40 milligrams of mercury. How many actually pay attention to the recycling and making sure that mercury doesn't go into a landfill? Um, in my experience, it's been very few, but you know, what I'd like to see is a little bit stronger regulation on, on how we deploy our lights, be more conscious um, of things of that nature as well, um, just to, to reduce our, our, our footprint that uh, undoubtedly uh, increases with this space. So, so um, are you guys seeing any, any move in legislation uh, in Oregon to help um, combat some of the, the waste that tends to happen in uh, cultivation? Well, let me just start uh, by saying I agree with you completely. Um, with respect to the need in the industry to move towards a more energy efficient um, growing regime, particularly indoors, obviously. Um, so let me start with the energy usage. Um, you know, California uh, has a renewable power standard that they're putting on uh, <coughs> cannabis, which is in addition to their very aggressive RPS that they already have with respect to all power generation in the state of California. Oregon also has a renewable power standard um, which phases in you know required percentage of renewable energy into the entire grid over a series of 20 years not quite as aggressive as california's but still quite aggressive when you look at the rps's that are in place in other states so you know in some sense the cannabis growers are you know by default backdooring into a more uh a a a more efficient energy usage regime because of the RPS that's in place for the power generators where they get their power. Um, so starting from that standpoint, we are seeing a, a shift, at least on a, um, on a, a sort of a test basis, away from HPS lights and towards uh, at least an LED supplemented system. Um, I believe someday we will be completely away from HPS. I don't think we're there yet. Uh, we have a client who is putting in place a test grow in Southern Oregon that will be 100% LED from a new manufacturer out of uh, Colorado. So we do see some movement in the direction of let's take a look at our energy usage and use less energy. Um, so with respect to the disposal, there hasn't been any specific legislation proposed yet that would mandate a particular type of disposal protocol for the HPS lights. But in my experience here, we, this is Oregon, uh, and we do consider ourselves one of the greenest states, there is an awareness um, in the grow community that they need to be disposed of properly. You know, I think a, a lot of times what um, people don't realize is, uh, you know, high pressure sodium has vastly more mercury in it than a linear fluorescent, you know, like a four foot lamp that's in everybody's office. Um, it, it has considerably more, um, you know, a typical four foot has, you know, uh, maybe five milligrams of mercury or less. Whereas a 1,001 high-pressure sodium that's being changed out, if done properly, is you know twice a year, maybe even three times a year, but over 40% uh, mercury in that lamp. And it's, it's a staggering amount uh, that's more often than not, again, just kind of willy-nilly tossed in uh, to, to the uh, outgoing bin as opposed to uh, you know, actually paying the couple of bucks to have it recycled properly. 
Well, um, one thing I would just pause uh, to interject there is that um, having a legal, recreational, and regulated marijuana program certainly increases the amount of that mercury that is recycled properly because when everything was underground you know things your trash your waste was just dumped at the dump there was no opportunity for these people to do the right thing uh in that respect because everything was so uh hidden you know and circumspect um certainly in portland we have a um a very very strict recyclable uh, recycling program, and we have four or five recycling centers that are privately run by, through donations that will take you know all of the recycling, the mercury, your electronics, um, everything that the municipal recycler will not take. And I know at least personally three growers who do take all of their bulbs over there to um, a company called Far West. I would definitely like to get uh, information on that and uh, spread it amongst my uh, listeners in in Oregon, so that uh, way they can capitalize on that. Again, it's one of those things that I find I feel very passionate about, uh, you know, being able to be the the stewards of our environment that we all should be. Um, well, and I've oh, been go ahead. Saying since the beginning, I'm sorry, is that um, you know, as one of the three first movers in recreational cannabis, we have an opportunity, if not an obligation, to. Um, be an example of how a a sustainable and thoughtful uh, legal recreational marijuana market would look like. Um, and so to the extent that we at our firm, we focus on compliance, we focus uh, on both an environmental and regulatory level, um, I think that it is in everybody's best interest for all of the licensees to do not just the bare minimum, but to try and go above and beyond. You know, it's it's amazing the uh, you know again the, the granularity that we bump into uh, when it when it comes to cannabis and and the, just how much stuff we have to pay attention to. Um, so and it also brings me back to one of my my favorite questions. So um, obviously you weren't in cannabis forever. So so what was it? What was the pivotal point that brought you to cannabis? And this is for both uh, Perry and Bradley. Uh, for me, I had a, a solo practice uh, focused on uh, real estate and litigation. And when it became legal, uh, it looked like a great opportunity to get a bunch more clients, to be honest. Uh, and so for me, it was a uh, it was a way just to build my business. And um, and I also just found it fascinating, um, the, the major shift uh, that was happening in the country. And I, I wanted to be part of it because uh, I knew that they're going to need some experienced lawyers to kind of help guide them through this whole new process because it's not just compliance. I mean, it's a huge part of it, but these companies need to get their company set up properly. They need proper leases. They need to be able to buy land. They need to. They need all the same legal services uh, than any other industry uh, needs. So uh, for me, it was just to be part of something new. Um, so I've been uh, an advocate for legalization since the mid to early 90s and um, was a medical marijuana grower for a very long time um, and uh, been an active participant in the legalization and the medical community for um, decades um, whilst also being you know, a 
cor- corporate attorney um, in my uh, as my main job. So for me, it was sort of a natural extension, and it gave me the opportunity um, after many years to be able to combine these two things um, that I do well, which was um, being you know being a grower, uh, being part of a community, um, and. Uh, like Brad said, you know, recognizing just how great of a need there is for what we do in the industry for people who want to do the right thing, um, and to be able to be part of that transformation in society was an opportunity that I am very grateful and thankful for. Um, and then I met Brad through a, a, a lawyer friend of ours who had a similar, uh, you know, vision as I in terms of how we could use what we already know to help this new industry blossom. Uh, and then we started this firm. You know, it's amazing the, uh, the trajectory, you know, I, I try to ask all my guests, you know, how they, uh, they come into cannabis because it's unique for everyone. Um, you know, and, and first I, I definitely want to thank you, Perry, for your, your decades of, uh, of help, you know, uh, getting uh, cannabis in the forefront. You know, anybody that's been in the trenches for any length of time knows, uh, you know, the heartache that can be associated with trying to, to, to you know, move mountains. And uh, we're, we're actually, I think, at the end game now with uh, cannabis. But it's, it's, it's funny, though, when, when, when we actually get to a point where we can speak of what we do um, in just frank conversation. You know, where, you know, 10 years ago, none of us would be just talking cannabis, you know, open and, and honestly, um, it would be behind closed doors and completely different situations. But now we're, we're, we're free to actually discuss and have conversations that, uh, you know, transcend what we ever were able to do before. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, I got to take a quick break. When we get back, we have Perry and Bradley with Greenlight Law Group. We'll be right back with you, folks. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com, when we return. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Do you have new ideas that you believe will make a difference in the cannabis industry? Looking to make your brand or service stand out? The first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo is seeking sponsors and speakers for its inaugural event August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners are all welcome to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Grow with us in this groundbreaking event, the first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Learn more at usccexpo.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. 
the Boober way. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. We have Perry and Bradley with Greenlight Law Group. We were just talking about how uh, they uh, they made the uh, the switch and got into uh, to cannabis. Um, and it's you know again something that I just love hearing the uh, the stories that uh, put people in to uh, you know one of my favorite uh, uh, markets. Um, so. Gentlemen, uh, tell us uh, about the future. What uh, what do you guys uh, have uh, in the future that you're you're working towards, hoping to change uh, with uh, Greenlight Law Group? One of the things that we've been working on um, is a uh, what we we're calling a subscription based fee service. Um, we we're traditional sort of a traditional law firm right now where we bill by the hour, and that sort of is the way most firms work. But we've been working to put together a package for our clients that where they can pay just sort of a monthly fee um, uh, for X amount of services uh, each month. And we feel like this is really kind of pushing things forward uh, for the industry and giving people a little more certainty about what their legal costs are going to be. That's something that uh, we've been working hard on. Um, We're also uh, really looking at expanding uh, both the Oregon office, but moving into Washington and uh, possibly into California. Uh, so uh, we feel, you know, we're taking things slowly, but that's where we, we feel where we're headed. And, and that's they, a really interesting thing, a subscription-based um, service, uh, legal service. I mean, it's almost, it sounds like a legal Zoom for cannabis, but uh, obviously legal Zoom's not subscription-based. They just ding you whenever they want. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. No pun intended on that one. But, uh, you know, so that that's actually a very unique, and I think that's something that would be very well-received in the market. Yeah, we think so. It, it, you know, it's challenging because we you have to find the balance between, uh, you know, the providing X amount of services, so it works for both the client and the firm, right? So if we if we agree to, you know, for X amount, if there's too much work, it's not good for us. And then if there's not enough work, they're paying too much. So we're trying to find what that sweet spot is where it works for both parties. Yeah, you know, and I think it's important as you know to remember, we're we're a small business too. We're a small business, just like. Most of our clients uh, began as some are growing to be mid to large size businesses, but we understand how important it is to have your cost structure in line and have a good sense. You know, no one can prepare for the unexpected, but to have a good sense of what your recurrent costs are going to be is so important in a competitive market. Um, and so we think that this program would be would allow us to deliver value to you know far more. Uh, businesses than we already do. You know, I mean, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. It's something that, uh, you know, they wouldn't have to toss out a huge retainer on, which, you know, a lot of these companies wind up having to do anyways. But having quick, sage uh, legal advice uh, and assistance uh, ad hoc is, uh, I think, a very, very beneficial thing. I, I don't think that you guys can sell yourself short on that one at all. Um, and I think just having, uh, you know, the ability to lean when needed. Um, is is a very very valuable thing and and uh, I, I don't know what numbers you're putting on it but I'd probably bump it up a little bit higher 
I think that uh, you'll find it. I think you'll find it to be very, very useful for people. All right. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate Absolutely. I, I like forward thinking companies, you know, and uh, one of the, uh, the the issues that we have in, in cannabis is, you know, more often than not, we wind up having people that just see the, the shiny, what they think is going to be just that little gold nugget. And then when they start peeling it back, they realize that there's actually a lot of work and a lot of compliance and having people that can help navigate that um, is very, very beneficial. And I'm, I'm very happy that, happy that there, there's companies like yours that are out there and trying to do so and, and be, you know, a, a quality steward for these people. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Dave. Yeah. Appreciate you know, that. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's lucrative to clean up people's messes, but it's uh, better for everybody if the messes never get made at all. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't have to wipe the egg off your face ever, you just don't know what it feels like. And that's much better. <laughs> so we're, we're uh, dwindling down towards the end of the show here. Um, is there anything that uh, you guys would like to kind of toss in? Any plugs that uh, we can do? Uh, maybe steer them towards your website? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can uh, you can find all of our information on our website. Um, you can reach it at gl-lg.com or portlandmarijuanaattorneys.com. Um, you can read all about us and what we do, uh, the services we provide, a little bit about our background. Yeah, and we, we have a monthly newsletter on the on latest topics. And if, if people go to the website, they can sign up for the newsletter. Um, so we can, you know, we, we get it out each month on, on new topics here in Oregon or, or nationwide. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Well, I, if, Excellent. If I chance for one one final thing. I guess I'd I'd like to tell people out there to um, although it's not in the immediate future, um, who's to say what's immediate? I think um, someday uh, the barriers for interstate transport will fall, just like hopefully they will fall this summer for industrial hemp, and um, people should be out there um, building their businesses and and planning for a a federally deregulated cannabis marketplace um and and people like us like brad and i are here to help them prepare for that reality uh and um that reality like you said it involves a a, a complex set of regulations and it's important to know that there isn't going to be one day when all of those regulations magically go away and it it's very likely that when the feds step out of this game, the states will step into their place and there will be regulation. Uh, and it's important that you stay in compliance. It's important that you stay in the game long enough um, to be part of that day. You know, and, I, and to, to interject on that topic real quick, too, you know, I mean, uh, it's not as if uh, everything from tomatoes to socks aren't regulated already. And right. having a, a, a properly regulated market is not a bad thing. It's it just makes doing business easier when you know what the rules of engagement are. And gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, for coming to the show. Um, had an absolute blast. Um, I definitely want to uh, stay in touch and uh, see how the progress is uh, up in uh, Oregon with you guys. And uh, thank all of you for joining us for this edition of The State of Cannabis. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Don't forget to like and comment. I'm your host, Dave Inman. We'll talk with you next time.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.